let's hear the song. Okay. <clears throat> so set, set this up for us. Now, back in the day, I believe there was a television commercial for a national convenience store chain called 7-Eleven. Uh, this commercial involved a bird. That bird was a pink bird. It was a flamingo. And the song went a little bit like this. How does it start again? And a one, and a two, <laughs> two. and a three, one, two. and a four, and a... Uh, follow the... Oh, hold on. How does it go? Come on down to 7-Eleven. Follow the flamingo. Walk this way. It was a, it was a an accent. It was a reggae. Come on down to 7-Eleven. Follow the flamingo. Walk this way. Pretty good. That sounds... Nice. You, you did not make that up. That's the song of the summer. I, I couldn't make it up. Yeah, it's it's too. I have no musical talent. Good. Also, if you had made it up, it would be too problematic for you to broadcast it. Mm. Why? Irie, man, we feeling good out here. Uh, we drinking big gulps. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, does anybody have uh, any uh, evidence of this? Yeah, memory if you remember this, of this classic jingle. Yeah, if you remember this, write us in at watchandtalk.show/contact. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 3 of Watch and Talk. And this week we watched an episode called Manchester Part, Part two. 2. Whoa. And, um, I forgot. Can I, we do the Manchester? I like to say it at the when you say I it. I got a little screwed up that nobody else was saying Sorry. it. Sorry. <laughs> we're just going to keep trucking. Can okay. we say it the right way, like Manchester? Manchester. Manchester. Today's a, a, <laughs> no. a special edition of uh, Watch and Talk. We're recording on the 4th of July. USA. USA Day. USA. This is a very special episode. Yeah. of watching yeah. except no one's gonna get addicted to caffeine pills on this one <laughs> maybe you maybe me. Challenge we maybe me yeah. okay, we have we got an hour and a half still to go any of us could get addicted to mm. any number of things before the end of that we'll, we'll f- follow up on that at the yeah. end of the episode uh, we're, we're gonna start a gofundme for that if you guys want to help us get addicted to certain things we've got a fig spread just let us know Oh yeah, Brayden's addicted That's to fig spread sweet. already. I'm addicted to this Camber spreadable cheese that we're eating. Yeah, spreadable cheese. I feel like makes it sound a little less sophisticated than this. This is from France. Cheese, this cheese. spread. Yeah, very fancy. So previously on this is the second part of a two-parter. It's all stuff from the previous episode. There's the thing about you know he's just running again. There's like some domestic drama with the first lady. There's this RU486 drug that Josh is trying to get out of announcing at the same time as the campaign. They introduce these new cast members that are the new like campaign committee. There's this tobacco lawsuit thing, and there's CJ's flub from last episode about how the president is relieved to be focusing on invading Haiti. You fucked up, Siege. I call her Siege. The Siege. Flamingo. Oh. Her, her uh, Secret Service name yeah, is Flamingo. Yeah, we've come full circle. Do you think, she, was she in the ad? Was there, was there an ad? Was it a cartoon? I would follow her anywhere was there a cartoon it was a, dra- a drawing of a yes i do not believe it was a live flamingo yes it was an animated did they show the band hmm i don't know no okay. they didn't okay so back to the episode so we start in manchester they are uh there's like a bunch of like as the president is kind of reading excerpts from the speech they've been working on we're more than a set of borders we are bounded by the reach of human freedom we have mastered every moment we have vanquished every foe We are strong, we are prosperous, we are at peace with the world. We are, as we have ever been, the envy of every civilization. They show a bunch of different shots of the farm, the Bartlett family farm. They're in a barn. Yeah, so for this episode, for me, the most exciting part was their country fashions. Mm, Everybody's dressing (laughs) apart. 
Mrs. Bartlett will find is the best dressed, I think, in her look. And in then, her flannel top? Yeah, like flannel plaid top with like high-waisted like Levi's. And then... I think Bartlett's wearing a denim like long sleeve shirt yeah he, very folksy he looks very yeah. rugged and good the so only, rugged but the worst dressed for this episode is gonna be leo in his suit in his suit just sans but, tie, but no tie. He, he looks like a real city slicker yeah yeah and i was thinking like does leo own sportswear or casual wear that's a sports think? coat but not like yeah. my active wear yeah. or like uh anything besides suits i don't think he does you don't, a, you don't dress down when you're working for the president. Yeah, like never. Not even when you're alone. On the, on, even in a bar. On the weekend, Leo was wearing like drop crotch pants <laughs> and <laughs> Supreme sweaters. Yeah. Back well, you know that to bed like Air Leo. Force Ones. Actually, well, <laughs> he wears Air Force Ones appropriately. Yeah. On Air Force Ones. Yeah, but he definitely wears like a full pajama. Hell yeah. I'm going to Photoshop Leo in some streetwear clothes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a good look. Yeah, so everybody's in a barn. There's some chickens in that barn. Not that only cool. chickens, oh. but a snake. There's a snake over here. What kind? I don't know, and I don't want to ask him. Can somebody shoot it, please? Here at Watch and Talk, we love chickens, just yeah. collectively. And um, I believe ambivalent towards snakes. Absolutely yes. ambivalent. I used to be terrified I'm of snakes. I'm still terrified of snakes. I don't snakes. like them. Very terrified of them. I can like look at one and be near one, but I don't want to touch it. I don't want a snake crawling on me for damn sure. Oh, no. <laughs> Once? I, I can't even look at it. I was dating a girl who had snakes. Nope. More than one? She, she raised snakes. She had multiple snakes. And usually it wasn't a, a big deal because we they, didn't- they, They're in a- we didn't because they're, the they're in a box. Cube. Yeah, well, she had a party and people were over and she was carrying the snakes and I was talking to her with the snake and then she was playing host. So she said, "Oh, here, um, hold this for a second. And she gave to me the snake. No, I played it so cool, y'all. Y'all would have thought I liked snakes. And then did you have to change your underwear afterwards? <laughs> I just I played it cool. I held the snake. Did you, I was, it, did you wear it like a scarf? Yeah, man. It fucking f- wrapped know. around me. It was great. It fucking they stick their tongues out like uh, like yeah. a taste in the air like they're just no, doing a lot. Uh, uh, no. And <laughs> it was yeah, and it was cool. I would have never dunked it except you know I was dating For this cute girl. chick. Yeah, God's mistake. Yeah, no, the, she was cool. The snake. Oh, okay. <laughs> humble snake one time i had an interaction with a snake where my friend in florida because of florida was breeding snakes and it was like feeding day and he asked for my assistance to open the big tupperwares that they were in and i I think they were like anacondas like some enormous they're in tupperwares they were in like big sterilite containers in in the dark Ugh. Yeah, with just like holes poked in them, yeah. and he had to Snake keep the warehouse. male and the female separate because he was like breeding them. They're and, horny as hell. Yeah, horny fucking snakes, and he like fed. The, they were so big they ate like full size rats, and he asked me to open the container so he can throw the rat in. And the snake was so hungry that when I opened the lid, it just like jumped out. Like towards my hands, and I dropped the container on it and like ran away. Mm. And I was like, not warned that that would be part of the little activity we were doing. And it was no, very, thank you. very terrifying. So, yeah, down, down be- with snakes. Beautiful creatures. Yeah. Like, they're God's miracle. Skeletons yeah. are sick, <laughs> as we recently learned. They're all rib cage. Yeah, so many ribs. They're all ribs. But uh, I don't want to be near a live one. So, 
the new staff and the old staff are still fighting. So our, our, this character, Doug, is arguing with Toby. He's arguing with Sam. And I have a problem here. I wrote that. I'm happy for you. Oh, Doug Wegland? Doug Wegland. It's a good, pretty good name. That's the name of the week right there. <laughs> um, so the line that Doug specifically calls out is the one that Sam was working on last week in the bar where he talks about the challenges and he like brings it up with CJ and CJ's like yeah that's great and then Doug's like this sounds like shit and back to this like all of these there is this is a theme there is not a single specific in this entire speech I don't think which is funny because the, the the staff is constantly berating the other part of the staff over how inspecific they want to be but neither one of them says i think there's one thing that that they mentioned later that's a specific and it's a pretty awful thing well i I realized the thing this week this show is was written by speechwriters yeah and it's just entirely about speechwriters yeah it's all that's gonna matter it's like when you inevitably get a bump from this speech that we all think sucks but just the act of giving a speech is going to be popular it's like it's it's ridiculous. Um, this character Connie, who is Connie Britton, uh, covers for Doug. They don't vote in England, Toby. Well, they do actually. Well, he meant that they don't. You know what he meant. Thank you. It's kind of her thing this whole episode. And also like explaining things that are obvious that everybody knows mm-hmm. already. Yeah, okay. she's not super useful to really. Another anybody. wonderful female character yeah. by Aaron Sorkin. Connie Tate. Uh, and Leo and Bruno show up to kind of wrangle the staff a little bit. Bruno threatens to burn the barn down, which, you know, whatever. Yeah, Bruno seems to want to kill everybody. It might not be such a bad idea for me to lock you all in here and set the place on fire. Well, so, like, he says that addressing the whole room while the president is in there, too. And I was like, is he talking about burning the barn down with the president in it? Yeah, where's Social Security? Where's the Secret Service? Where's the Social Security administration? That's like an overt death threat to the president. But he doesn't just say, I'll burn the barn down. He says, then I will take, what is it, a pitchfork and jam it up all of your asses? And we will work together. Or so help me, mother of God, I will stick a pitchfork so far up your asses you will quite simply be dead. He's very insistent upon killing. So I'm just going to sodomize... All of you. The corpses. Yeah. Is He's it the a... corpses? Because they, well, they're they going to be burnt. They died in the barn fire. Oh, wait, okay. I thought it was like... I'm going to wait until you all suffocate and not burn completely. Okay, so he's going to... Put gonna, the fire out. He's going to desecrate the body of the president. This guy's mm. freaky. Which he just burned. Yeah. Talk about laying in my, state. And my favorite part of it is that <laughs> they show this like dead on camera angle of Bruno being like, and I'm going to jam this pitchfork up all of your ashes. And then... It cuts to everyone else, and no one's like laughing or smirking or being like, oh, he's, that's just Bruno being like Bruno. Classic They're all kind of like, ooh, hey. that is a weird thing for a coworker to say. And then that's just like, they just cut to the present. He's like, all right, let's do this. And so with pride and purpose, I hereby announce my candidacy for the presidency of the United States. We have an intro. And then we're back to four weeks earlier. So this time we get a proper time-placing title card everything makes sense we know where we are four weeks earlier we get it just the once right yeah one time we get it just the once so it does become a slightly slightly confusing i for me it was i was a little confused by this episode like knowing what time we were in or that they were going to be going back and forth so it's really just like it's really a two-parter with the last one so they kind of assume that you know the timeline switch from the previous one yeah, um, well, they make a big assuming because that was, it's been a long time since I watched that last episode. Yeah, it's been, what, six weeks? <laughs> um, so 
Abby's in full ghost mode in this scene. Jeff? I didn't see you there. Yeah. She was laying down. The president walks in and he doesn't see her. And that's what most of the dialogue about is how he can't hear or see her. <laughs> I didn't see you there. I didn't see you. Jed? Yeah. I said, will it work? Jed? Yeah. I said, maybe you want to think about benching CJ for a few days. Abby, you were lying down when I came in. I didn't see you. I believe you. <laughs> At the point that he's leaving, he's like, you were laying down. And, but she's in the exact same position that she was at the time. I think there's like a back to the future situation going on in some alternate timeline mm -hmm. in the past where somebody's keeping her parents from getting together. And so she's slowly fading away. Yeah. We're just seeing the current timeline version of that seems to be what's happening. If that I would be confusing. We get a little bit of time placement. It's two days later uh, from the last episode's flashback parts. And they talk about how they still haven't like talked through the things they were going to talk about with respect to him running again and their marriage and stuff because the president has to go read about something. So um, he's like kind of finding excuses for not having this conversation at this point. Flash forward, we're back at the farm and there's Leo and Josh and like some of the other staff. He has to sell the greatness of America. Why? I'm it's 34. a simple equation. Bartlett rules America. America rocks, therefore Bartlett rocks. America rocks. Bartlett rocks? Yes. He really doesn't that much. Josh is not feeling the rock. So then Josh and Leo are alone, and they talk about how they want to uh, like intervene into this RU486 announcement thing. Uh, Why did they have to call it that? Why did they have to call it RU486? It's like, I am 486. <laughs> it's a good number. Why did you do that? Is that an acronym? Like, why? I think that's the actual name of the thing. It's but it's a plan, bad name. Plan B pill? Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. Because R, U, 4 are all homophobic. They're words, man. Right. And like, why can't they just say plan B? It's way less of a mouthful. Or any other letters. G, I, th I B, think it's like a scientific. Nine, what? I think it's like a scientific name. It's like in a oh, sequence. It's some science shit. It's like shit. R, U. There was an R, U, 1, an oh. R, U, 2. And this is iteration 486. It costs more than $200 a dose. To for, purchase. For the Plan B pill? For RRU486. Currently? Yeah. According wow. to wikipedia.com. Yeah, so this is, again, like more of the exact same stuff. Um, but there's uh, one thing that Josh says. They can wait no. two weeks to announce the drug. They don't have to do it on Monday. I can fix tobacco. Tobacco. No, I meant... 46 where he has kind of is that a freudian slip is that what he does yeah because he has another thing on his mind i think if it's freudian it's usually about a dick or something i can fix my penis yeah <laughs> it's like josh we're not talking about that then they cut the cj and abby cj comes up to abby who has she's they say that she's been at the farm for like two hours now and she's already been on an apple picking expedition <laughs> and she's got a basket of apples under her arms do you think she picked them or no. she just go shot for them i think that they had them waiting for her, and then she picked from what had. I Why think that's just a cute purse she has, and the top is fake, and you just open it, and mm. you can like put stuff in it. You should pitch that <laughs> at your work. What? The apple, apple, the bag, apple bag purse. <laughs> the apple decoy bag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> apple decoy. I'm going to bring that up immediately. Yeah, just like in the next like all hands or something. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or like the next innovation summit they I, have. I don't think wants to call it at all hands at this point. Oh. 
Why? What happened? The parent company is dealing with sexual harassment. Oh. Honestly, what company isn't these days? Hey, oh. Ours is right? unique in that a male, a white male was sexually harassed. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. We're special Inclusive. that way. But yeah. But who cares about that? <laughs> I mean. Oh, we're going to still follow up on it anyway? It, Even though it was a dude? Yeah. A white dude? Yeah. It Did was, another dude do it? Another dude. I mean, you guys oh, don't discriminate. It was still a dude. It was a white dude that did it? Um, an Italian dude. Oh, they're white. Yeah. Yeah. yeah fuck them. Ish. <laughs> fuck them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Everybody, you can be racist against Italians. Yeah. Because there's no, there's no, there's no history of that. Mamma mia. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't do it. It is. With, it's really good. I wouldn't do it with any. Uh, oh, I did a Jamaican accent earlier. Yeah, Sorry, you did. Never mind. That was racist, though. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. one's not, though. No, this, it's, it isn't. I can call things spicy meatballs and do the, the <laughs> yeah. two fingers. He's doing his the, two finger hand and the thumb thing and waving it. A bopity beep beep bop, you know? I'm smacking one hand into the other. Yeah. Getting angry. In this episode, doesn't Toby do a Italian Bafagula. That thing like a Oh the the chin. Like a thing. fuck you like yeah. thing. So yeah. oh yeah, I think he does later. Uh yeah. to, to Bruno. Bruno, right. Uh so CJ wants a photo op. My husband and I together. Yeah. With the kids. It would be nice if Because my husband and I came to the house separately. There are photos of the president getting on the plane alone. I think she's Photo op ready. She's got a fake purse that bring looks like a apples. basket of apples. Yeah, yeah. bring yeah. the president out and just snap a couple pics and they're Did done. You give the president some right? cider. He's gonna smile so big for that camera. Like, how big is this house that they can't just get a picture? Of this them house together? is gigantic. I think they don't show the same room twice the entire episode. They just keep they're in different <laughs> subsections of the house every single scene. CJ brings up that there are these like unnamed sources. The press has sources that say that you and the president. They have names. I'm sorry. The sources. No, these are unnamed sources. CJ, unnamed sources make me crazy. Just one time, I'd like to see instead of according to unnamed sources, I'd like to see according to tweaky little ill-informed chicken-ass wannabe. Don't ever come to me again with unnamed sources, CJ. You don't get any cider. Very Trumpian. Yeah, I think there was like a Trump tweet like last week where yeah. he's like, He's like, these unnamed sources, they don't exist. <laughs> like, yeah. don't come to me with unnamed sources. <laughs> he just quoted the West Wing. <laughs> he's just a big West Wing bullshit, fan. Though. He's a total Abbey head. Isn't it true that, like, unnamed sources is kind of bullshit? No, it's not true. Why not? Because it isn't true. No, but, like, if someone because doesn't go on the record, because isn't that bullshit? Isn't that not no, really a reliable source? No, it's Why? not. Because they're vetted. I mean, look, you Who's have to vetted? Tr- They're vetted by the reporters. If we're talking about the Washington Post or the New York Times, like the, the reason that those people are unnamed sources is because they feel so, that it would put their job at jeopardy to reveal their names. You could, I, I understand the instinct to be skeptical, but we're, you're basically calling these reporters liars, and they, they would never do that. Well, like, no, it's most not reporters, liars. No, it is liars. Most reporters would never dream of making up a source or making up a quote. No, no, not making up a source. No, that's not what happened. So in my job, I dealt with the publication. I won't name, but it's a pretty prominent publication. Not, whoa, whoa, whoa. Not why won't you tier. name it? Mm-hmm. Not top tier. Huh? Name the <laughs> damn I actually publication. Can't. Oh, oh. But because of attorney client privilege. Okay. But well then shut the fuck up. They <laughs> it's hustler. They would not tell me who the source was on the other side of the issue that we were dealing with. And they kept sort of saying, well this person is saying this. And I was like, that's just wrong. That's incorrect. And they were like, well, that's what they're saying. And they were very skeptical towards our position, right? And I would cite facts and I would try to back it up. And then eventually they told me who their source was. And it was someone 
who is so laughably not qualified to comment on the issue that I couldn't believe the reporter yeah, was in any way engaging with I don't that think person. that's the same as like an unnamed source when it comes to like journal like yeah, like I publishing mean, something. I don't know. This is an interesting anecdotal story, but what we're talking about is professional journalists for big name newspapers and they're not right. Because you also don't know if they were going to name that source that you're referring to when they actually like publish don't the we, article Don't we all or agree that certain people leak information because they have a, a conflict of interest? between? It's not like people are sharing information as a source because they feel a duty to inform the public, right? Sometimes. A lot of times they Frequently. have some sort of political agenda or well, some, they want to create a change within their – like an FBI might, sure. guy might say, oh, internally God they're doing forbid. this terrible thing. I actually thing. think, though, like sometimes an unnamed source – right. Per Braden's point is like a sign of someone who's actually like very well vetted because one time I was talking to another one of our uh, newspaper friends about an department store that will remain unnamed mm -hmm. that had um, when you turn off the lights, basically it just has like a huge infestation of mice and rodents crawling around and they wanted to write about that. But I said they couldn't use my name because of my job. And they were like, well, you're no one. So wow. if we don't... I wouldn't have said that. Like, I'm, I can't be like an unnamed source because I'm not reputable enough. Do you know what I mean? They needed right, to put a name to let's it. Let's say you'd been a named source. Yeah. Then Even the, then, what, like, what, why does that change the validity of your Because people can like look into who I am. Or they can say... They can say right, like, but can't the reporter look into who you are if you're an unnamed source? Isn't that the whole... Like, what's the difference if the reporter's the best person to vet a source mm -hmm. then who cares if you put your name out there for the public to vet you are you just taking the opposite position of your other position <laughs> no 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 what I, I what i'm saying is if what you're saying is true then it shouldn't matter like this publication shouldn't care about whether you're willing to be named or unnamed but if the fact that they care makes me feel like there is an important difference there there is a, a, a loss of validity in between having a named source no, where but everyone think, can yeah. see. I mean, there, there definitely is. Yeah. That's, what, like, that's all I'm getting at. That there like, is a meaningful critique that if you only rely on unnamed sources, But an unnamed source also is legitimate. like someone whose job is important enough that you need to protect it so that they can continue to be a good source. Well, if that's the real, the real reason... I can understand that's it. That's always the reason. No, it's always not true. true. No, there's, there's a, a trend... Uh, over the past, you know, in years or whatever, I'm not. It's not necessarily specific to the Trump era or anything. Of letting the thing that would normally be attributed to a government spokesperson by name, just defending a policy on the merits that the administration would like to defend the policy, to let that come out as an unnamed source, so that nobody in particular has to be uh, on the line for. That thing being false, yeah, or that or like thing being disingenuous. High-level sources within the Trump administration are telling uh, that the tax bill is great. Up. Yeah, uh, like yeah. so. That's like I think there's a lot of that because just people don't want to be the ones that have like their. It it gives you a specific person of like, oh, you said this. How come this person still works there? It's like, oh, who who knows who said the thing? But it did, it didn't turn out that way. It's an unnamed source. That person doesn't exist anyways. And it's like the chief of staff or the president himself frequently, it sounds like, which is insane. So I think there is a, a way that 
that can be misused and if you like insist on anonymous sources being an anonymous source when all you're doing is putting out like the flack line that's kind of shitty but in this case the anonymous sources had it dead on there is a huge <laughs> rift in the marriage and she's just using the like attacking the anonymous sourceness as yeah. a way of getting the out of the sources are right jason who do you think the anonymous sources is charlie Never. Yeah. Oh my God! N- how, how dare you? Dare you? Who is the anonymous source? Who, Who do would you know? think you how are? Dare? I would think it could be like a Mar- low Margaret. <laughs> Margaret. Margaret. <laughs> She's been trying to break them up for years. Um, I well can also first lady Margaret. <laughs> it can be in. like um, you know, a lower level secretary that still like is around. Like or Margaret's something. secretary. Or like like yeah. Mar- yeah, Margaret. The ghost like, of Mrs. Landingham. Or like uh, the first lady's like dress folder or something. Yeah, yeah. Someone who's like around enough yeah. but doesn't have like a personal connection with them or anything. Yeah, that makes more sense. Do you get paid to be a source? No. Can't. They pay Melania Trump a hundred thousand plus dollars <laughs> to use her to use her about. photos in uh <laughs> compulsorily positive news stories. That's <laughs> insane. Absolutely. It's so ridiculous. And then it all ends, uh, so CJ, CJ brings up these anonymous sources, Abby doesn't want to hear it, and then CJ gets denied cider as a result of it. You don't get any cider. Which is pretty rude. Cider's pretty good. Yeah. Especially fresh cider fresh from cider. just down the road. Yeah, yeah. cider's not, dope. If you offer bad. cider, I think you fucking follow through on that cider offer. Put a little whiskey in there, maybe? It's a holiday? <laughs> Who's yeah. going to judge you? Yeah. So the next thing is CJ and Leo, where CJ says, I spoke to the first lady. I thought it might not be a bad idea if there were some opportunities with the two of them together at the house. What was her reaction? Well, she denied me cider. I thought maybe you could speak to her. Questions we're about two life. private men, CJ. We don't talk about our marriages. But that's not true at all. They talk about their marriages constantly. Uh, the fix-it thing, remember? That was them talking about their marriages. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he told the president he was getting divorced. That's talking about his marriage. Come on. Well, that's like... After the after all the problems, yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll get they'll talk about the the problems before the president and the first lady get divorced and they can resolve it. And then Leo tells CJ that she needs to stop being mad at him over the Haiti stuff because that was her screw up and it's not his fault. Um, the flashback again. We go down into the sit room. Leo punches a little uh, code in. What do they need that for? Why don't they just have a guard there who knows has a list? They have, like, Marines. That's better than some stupid key code thing, right? Uh, it's a money-saving effort. What if you have prosthetics that make you look like Leo? Oh, you need the code in your head. Hey, what if yeah. you're pulling a Mission Impossible? Or you need a code. I also love how they film this, where they're having this conversation, and it's, like, on the closed-circuit TV. Yeah. And then they pan to the real thing. That's a favorite Aaron Sorkin-y thing. Yeah. All of uh, Sports Night is basically shot like that. Oh, true, Because it's true. in a TV station. Yeah. So they talk. They have an update on this Haiti thing. This Bazan guy who did the coup in the previous three episodes, two three episodes, um, knows that he can't stay in power. You know the the Alpha Strike formation worked or whatever. But he has some demands before he steps down. Ten million dollars U.S. a private plane and a guarantee he won't be prosecuted for war crimes. What else? Asylum for himself and sixty of his family members. Where? Here. The ten He's million. He's got a lot of seems, relatives. The ten million seems kind of like out of proportion. There, it seems too low for the scale of everything else. He's That's asking. It's a lot of family. They're gonna need money. Um, and then the president negotiates him down, and he he you know, he has a counter offer, which is like you can go to Venezuela with like five people, and <laughs> you get no money. 
but they'll unfreeze his U.S. bank accounts. At the end of that meeting, they walk out. Leo and Nancy have a quick conversation, and Leo asks her to take over the briefings for CJ uh, on this particular topic so they don't continue getting questions about the flub from the previous episode. And Nancy sounds like kind of ambivalent about it or you know feels a little Nancy's uh, not into it I don't feel right about this yeah but he don't care I don't care also this was the idea of the first lady at the very beginning of the episode mm-hmm. like so she's got the same instincts that Leo does well I was wondering if like it's just a coincidence or like because it, it's like verbatim what she said to bench her, to bench CJ and put Nancy on. Because he says that's Leo's call right. to her. So do you think she went and talked to Leo? That's what I'm thinking. And maybe Leo's the source. Yeah, he leaked it. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you want to tell me how to do my job? I'm going to tell you how to do your job, which is being married to this man. Yeah. <laughs> Next scene, Margaret and Sam, um, they talk about how they're peacefully winding down this Haiti thing. And Margaret says that we should have invaded on day one because of manifest destiny or something like that. I say we should have gone in there with four tank divisions and turned the place into a casino. Manifest destiny. Bet your ass. Margaret's very reactionary in this one. I don't know what she's got against Haiti here. Not a fan. But is she just mad at the guy who overthrew the government? or is she Because she says we should build a casino there. She's not like, yeah, I, we should I, invade and have given it back to the people. She's like, no, I want to make it a cruise destination i didn't know what that meant like i think it's a it's a kind of today's a special america day and i thought why is she talking about like casinos like the native americans have like casinos like she's gonna like turn them into i don't know is she that was, what that she, was like she wants well, to just like we should col- subjugate colonize them. Yeah, them. yeah yeah like subjugate them but, colonize and then like they'll just be casino workers well, I feel like, yeah, she it's was a bad like, co- yeah, colonize and then like really just like stomp on the grave of the country. Yeah. When you learned about Manifest Destiny when you were a kid, were you like skeptical? Oh, no, that sounded cool. You were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, it's your destiny. It, was, it was always, I think, present. I mean, at least I took it as this was the rationale. Like it was never like it was always presented as uh, at a sec at a remove. Of like this is like the slogan that the people at the time had. It was never presented as like because manifest destiny we took over. Right. Hmm. But were you ever like like what a weak argument? Oh, um, what nah. a, what a what a ridiculous rationale. Maybe I don't remember so much. I mean, I don't I, remember it being presented. Like, there's never any counter It's like the the president said that like God wants us to colonize everything and then other people were like but isn't that wrong <laughs> like it's always just like well the president said like you know we have a mandate from god so we should just do all this stuff take over all this territory yeah, in the west I, they don't really do that much with um history you don't get the historical counter argument so much if that side didn't make a much of a dent on history like no, we don't, the manifest we don't do the counter argument as much in u.s history i mean you get it <laughs> in the cold war a little mm. bit because that was like mm. the, the scale was enough like you at least knew you what get it was. like there's the evil ones versus <laughs> us yeah right yeah that's wasn't that's a counter did, did the soviets self-identify as evil right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then sam ends up talking to leo after this scene and he's like so i wanted to make you aware of something yeah well i've looked through the transcript a couple of times and he never apologized what do you mean 
in the interview, he never apologized, and I think it's something we're going to get hung with later. I feel like they've been over this. No, didn't they say they he never apologized before? They kept talking about they did, um, and that I think that points to like a problem with this whole two-part episode. This would have been so much better if they just did a, a chronological edit of these two episodes. Would have made so much more sense and been so much. I wasn't like, sure that they need to do the the chronological split on this should one. we do this should we chronologically make an edit, edit of it, it would, i think <laughs> it would work a lot better because you would get the the way that well we'll, we'll get to it okay um actually no so they say they go cut one week later and there's cj and leo so we're still in the flashback but now we're like closer to the present leo is extremely concerned that their poll numbers in arkansas are not going up and that's causing them to have to bring in some outside consultants but like he's never going to win arkansas he's never going to lose illinois like it sounds like they're doing okay like all the places that they they're like kansas and arkansas which is like they're never going to win and illinois and some other like super blue state if that's all their problems are they seem like they're doing fine did you follow what josh screwed up i I was confused by that oh that was later Oh, but, but I'm just saying Bruno's like Michigan, Pennsylvania, yeah, yeah. Ohio. We could have won those. I was like, I wasn't sure what he was talking about. Why could they have won those? Well, we'll get there. Okay. All right. All right. I'm um, so ahead. he says he's going to bring in this outside people that we've already met, Bruno. So like we meet Bruno mid character arc on the way up to Manchester or not mid, like mid plot line of these two episodes. And there's like no introduction for them. And this one, we get, like, a tease of this new character coming on, and then there's this scene, like, almost immediately after that, uh, where he gets introduced with Margaret, and there's, like, this, ex- like, explanation of who he is. So, like, it, I think they, maybe they even made them in chronological order, because it's written like that. It's, like, the introduction to the character is in the second episode that he's in, which is super weird. The only thing that makes me feel like they didn't do it in order is the dynamics between the characters don't feel like they're evolving, where they have, like, more familiarity, and they are more willing to push each other's buttons and escalate. It just doesn't... That's why I agree with you. It would have been better to sh- to present it chronologically because you could see, like, the the change. It would have been more interesting to have, like, the staff sort of slowly but surely start to trust these outsiders more and more as they make really good points, mm-hmm. right? That would have been interesting. But if, instead, it's just like you, you don't really know what's going on at any given moment. And, it's and we just, only see the, the other staff members who have, like, kind of, a little more conflict with like Bruno doesn't really have conflict with the staff. It's Doug mostly. And we only see him in the future part. We never see him in the flashback at all. And you miss an opportunity for like Toby who like, I guess is kind of the equal of Bruno in higher, in the hierarchy. No, Leo is really, yeah, he's the head of the campaign. Leo's the head of the white house staff. Like, but yeah, but Toby is like the person in charge of messaging for the president. Sure. And I guess Bruno is really in charge of messaging for the campaign. Right. And even even the way that... Uh, yeah, I guess they're both, on, they're both department heads, if you want to look but, at but the what campaign I mean is as their, a department. Their role as like chief communicators mm-hmm. is, is kind of duplicative. But um, you don't even get to really see Toby interacting with Bruno at first, sort of trying to war with him and then kind of having to be put in his place maybe by Leo or the president... Mm-hmm. And you just miss all of that because it's not presented chronologically. And yeah. It's just silly. So they cut forward one more time. There's one more scene about arguing about the speech. One more, as in there will be many more. Um, and this one is, this is the one specific they have that I think I picked up on in the entire speech. I say to you today, I love this country. 
and I will make sure our military continues to be the best trained, best equipped, best led fighting force in the world. They want to make sure that the military funding stays yeah. consistent or you gotta higher. You got to keep the military funded. <laughs> that's the only that's the one thing that It's what Blue America cares about. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then there's a a line in there. This campaign must not be about the disease God gave me, but the opportunities God has given our country. And Doug wants to cut that out. And there's some more yelling that ensues off of that. You couldn't stop educating the public. You guys are never happier than when you're educating the public. A month ago, 74% of them thought MS was fatal. And every time you told them it wasn't, there was a story about MS. Just change the subject. Doug, why the hell didn't I think of that? I don't know, Toby, but if you had, I probably wouldn't be here. It's a bad look to blame God. You know, it's not... No. God's fault that you got this disease. Isn't it? <laughs> isn't, isn't that a, like a genetic? There's no behavioral onset thing for MS, right? right? God, God was promised Hoynes, and he's trying to get Hoynes. It's like a final <laughs> destination thing. <laughs> so then we flash back one more time. This is where Bruno meets Margaret, and <laughs> Bruno is there for his appointment, which is not on the books. Margaret's never heard of him. Who's Bruno Gianelli? Do you think this is where Bruno starts, like, not remembering Margaret's name? He's like, you don't know who oh. I am. I don't know who you are. <laughs> Interesting. Huh. And he's just going to, like, drive it home. This is a clever way to do exposition on Bruno's character, though. Yeah, yeah. we hear it, like, kind of at 50% volume from another I room. I had to turn my volume on my TV, like, all the way up because my captions weren't working. And yeah, oh. and we find out that he's got a bunch of congressmen and governors elected. And Five also, senators, three and, governors. And the... Prime Minister of Israel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And my favorite part about him is that Leo's convinced he's never voted before. Right. So he's one of these like apolitical consultant ghouls. Yeah. <laughs> like a cynical parasite on our political, our beautiful yeah. democratic he, process. He <laughs> described him as a democratic uh, like consultant. He's, he's worked for Democrats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can't work for both sides. Yeah, you can. Very rarely do people do that. Well, a lot of consultant shops will be started by like one and one. So it's like yeah, yeah. Oh, that's true. But you have to kind of uh, you pick the off. team because yeah. there is like a, a confidentiality issue there. If your firm, your consulting firm, that's like per race though. There's no like right. I just, maybe it is per race, but I, I don't know. The sense I get is like you don't get to be like a Republican Party consultant and then suddenly go Democrat unless it's a big career shift and you're permanently right. Like probably David Frum secretly consults with the Democrats now. Yeah, but I feel also like. Corey Lewandowski and David Axelrod are going to open up some like mega consulting company in the but, next couple of years. Yeah. And everybody's going to be like, thank, thank you both for putting party country yeah. above party or something. <laughs> yeah, that's very possible. also like the higher you get in consulting when you're like maybe at like a senator or sort of presidential level, you may have already encountered a bunch of people who are like rising in the ranks of the Democratic and Republican parties. And so you'll have all sorts of dirt on both sides, like yeah. wherever you've worked. And then when you get to the top, there's you, of course, have like encountered that person before. Yeah, you just have to. I mean, look at the Dick Morris thing when Clinton was running for a second uh, term where he would have to like secretly speak to Dick Morris in the residence on like a secure line because it would be such a political nightmare within the party. For people to know he was talking to a Republican consultant. Maybe he shouldn't have been. So Leo and Bruno start negotiating Bruno's uh, onboarding onto the campaign. There's uh, t talk about like what percentage of the ad buy. That's just like a commission thing. So that's crazy, right? I was looking that up and it's... Is that how they get paid? Yes. Because well, they, never, like talked about, they there, never talked about a salary. There's a base salary and then the bonus is a percentage of the ad buy. Mm. And the ad buy 
is reflective of of your success because the amount of ad stuff you can buy is contingent on fundraising. So if you're, that's the number one indicator more than anything else of the success of your campaign and how much it's energizing people. Mm -hmm. But isn't that crazy? Yes. Because doesn't it sort of, (laughs) it incentivizes a certain kind of campaign tactic. And it makes it, it makes it super pro establishment, right? So look at Trump. Trump was able to not spend as much money on direct advertising and get a lot of free coverage through being crazy, right? Yeah. Doing things that were newsworthy. And then buying Facebook ads for sure. the targeted stuff. But but you look at the Which way that they're depicting this establishment campaign, and it's like, no, don't do anything controversial. Like, be careful. Say things that are, like, you know, sort of appealing from a focus group I point of America. view. I love America. Yeah, and it's like, you would... <laughs> and I don't care who knows it. Bruno would get paid <laughs> less and would therefore have no interest in advocating for the kind of strategy that Trump used, but maybe that's actually the better strategy. You don't have to, like get a bunch of Americans to have to give you a bunch of money or raise money from corporations and have a conflict of interest in order to run a campaign. Um, AOC did it on 300 grand. Yeah. She didn't yeah. buy, I don't think she bought any TV ads. She just sent 300 grand the entire primary and just bought a bunch of cool posters. And yeah. It's t- a little easier to do that in one specific geographic region, but well, still, sure. it's really impressive. But I mean, but at that, you know, scale that out. Like, I'm she sure... didn't get any party funding for well, sure. Well, she also, no, like, had not. a campaign like video on youtube that went viral like yeah, right if and you just make really really good content it will get shared yeah but that was that couldn't have been very expensive but i mean probably, a, they probably spent 10 grand on that video this yeah. is a perfect example of the problem right because you have this consultant class who you know is going to run like hillary clinton campaign whoever or the obama campaign yeah. and they have no interest in exploring any the, of these they strategies. are they are planning the hillary clinton campaign in sure. in this episode right now yes like it's exact Everything they say because it's the like, same people that ran the campaign for, you know, Clinton twice and freaking John Kerry, mm-hmm. and it's just all the same people behind the scenes on all of these things. And I fucking love John Kerry. That guy is an inspiring politician. Yeah, whom I love. My Did favorite... you like the Iran deal? <laughs> love Iran, another great country. <laughs> My favorite description of him was like on Colbert's old show. I think he said he looked like a used tea bag. <laughs> and That's I love harsh tea bags. It's true though. Speaking of Iran, like is is Mahmoud Ahmadinejad still the, the president no. of Iran? They no, dude, he's way out. Oh, okay, he's been out. I was gonna name my cat like ten years ago. It's Rouhani. Ahmadinejad. I'm glad I did. <laughs> it's Rouhani. Okay. Yeah, that's right. nice. <laughs> So uh, his other demands is hiring, firing prerogative within his department. He's like, for starters, I want these two people. And that seems to be all he ever ends up hiring. And he wants a room at the Hay Adams, which is, uh, according to their website, the most prestigious luxury hotel in Washington, D.C. Hey, Adams. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That makes it sound like it's like a gay pickup joint. It is. It is. (laughs) I looked. It's uh, it's about (laughs) it's about three fifty a night. Which that's, is that's expensive, not, but not. That's pretty. That's not five star lux expensive. No. Is it not? No, like fa- really fancy hotels are like five hundred and up. Yeah. I feel like most downtown, like a Marriott in a city center, is three hundred anywhere. Yeah. yeah. And this is only three fifty. So maybe if I go to DC, maybe I'll stay at the Hay Adams. Yeah. Oh, we should do a special cool. episode of our podcast where we all stay in one room at the Hay Adams. <laughs> <laughs> and he also wants a car and driver. A subscription to Car and Driver magazine. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's probably a decent amount of. Ch- that's a. Yeah. That's a. That is not a cheap for a magazine. year-ish. It's probably a seventy thousand dollar 
bump. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine living out of a hotel for a year? Do you, would you have like a kitchen? A little kitchenette? But some, no. Some uh, a suite? Not at the Hey Adam. No, you would have to. You like, get room service. You get room service. Yeah. But some of the rooms have a little kitchen, maybe. Do you I ask mean, for a per diem? Yeah, they're gonna cover his room service bill, pro- probably. I'm sure, yeah. Yeah. Do you think Bruno cooks? Hell no. no. But if he makes no. a pasta, <laughs> Gianelli. <laughs> Do you think that the way hey. he makes a red sauce? You know how Bruno's like really quiet the way he speaks. Do you think that's okay? Oh, when he goes and talks to the president. So, yeah. So, let me. <laughs> so, yeah. He, he and his other thing is he wants unfettered access to the president. And Leo uh, says, that's a deal breaker. No way. And what, then, what is that that they can't give? What is it? He wants, like, walk-in privileges to the Oval Office. He wants to talk to the president. He gets to just walk up and say, hey, Mr. President, I got to bother you right Only now. Only Leo's got walk-in Leo privileges. Leo can do yeah, it the first lady. Know that. And Charlie. He doesn't know that. Yeah, and Charlie. Charlie doesn't even like Charlie only has walk in privileges too because he's controlling the access right, right. for other people on behalf yeah. of other people. Um, and then he says, you can go, you know, you want to ask him, knock yourself out. Margaret, take the man in. And he talks to the president and he really clams up here. I'll also need unfettered access to you. No, sir. I'm sorry, Bruno. Leo runs the show. Respectfully, sir. It's a deal breaker. OK, access thing. He says it's a deal breaker for him. He out right. deal breakers. <laughs> so do you think that Leo and the president are psychically connected? I don't know. Is he listening in on yeah. the room? Because he's using or all the same words. Or does he have a word. cup against the door <laughs> while oh, he, he was talking yeah, to Yeah, then Leo. he scrambles back to the yeah. chair. He's like, I was just reading. Yeah. Oh, hi. I didn't <laughs> see you there. Because <laughs> he knows exactly the like percentage point that they were caught on. Standard on, ad buy. Yeah. 12% instead of 13. And the, the president doesn't give anything up. He gets every single... Thing he asked for which is also what happens in the bazan thing too it's like this whole like the whole president thing is for this episode is just how good he is at negotiating it just shows off president he, deals president over deals, here original president deals the president says so so you think you can help us and uh bruno goes yeah can you help us out yes yes, <laughs> yes. So I was like, is this a is this that like power move where you yeah. talk really quietly so people have to lean in yeah. and listen to you? Show up fifteen minutes later. Yeah. That's how I'm gonna have all my interactions at work. I'm just gonna like whisper things to people, but I'm gonna lean into them. There <laughs> is a guy at work. You say it right. You say right that I, I like yeah. the guy, but I could never hear what he's saying. Like That's probably why you like him. One hundred percent of the time <laughs> I have to ask him what he's saying. Like I want him to learn. That he has to speak up. Project. There's people at work that talk too quietly for my boss who's you know, getting up there. And he'll just be like, I can't hear you. <laughs> Can you speak up? And then they Ooh. usually fix it pretty quickly because That's it's so embarrassing yeah. when he does that to them. Yeah. It, it, like, he doesn't have to tell. It, it's does done. anyone it's stutter after that when they talk to him? Sometimes. <laughs> so Leo asks how, how it went in the Oval Office, which it did not go well for Bruno. And he gets told very quietly to shut up and then they they plan out what the strategy shut up was first we get together in a room after that an event that was two weeks from monday is that the soonest we can do it yeah okay it's like a fortnight yeah fortnight away mm-hmm. and they cut right to the speech getting kind of like prepped it's the day before the speech and but the band's practicing and all the the regalia is up and all that stuff there's a thing about um, how Sam gave up song selection to the local high school band in negotiations. 
part of the deal. What deal? They're the Columbia High School marching band. They get to play their song. We had to negotiate with the band. Look, they're going to be live on four networks. They will play what we want to hear. Never give up song selection. Sam's just, he's very passionate about it. Too. He's like, they're the whatever high school band. They're here. They're going to play their song, damn it. <laughs> you, like feel, you feel super strong. But it's he's also, a big band booster. Yeah. Sam would have been in band, I bet. I feel like Sam. He, he'd be the conductor. Sam was in band until he like blossomed, and then he was like, mm. "Oh, screw band." He's For, the one with like the baton at the front, like you think. That's usually up. like the teacher. Oh. Okay. <laughs> he, he, took, he took over from him. Yeah, he's like, "Excuse me, sir, I'll take this." <laughs> Toby's upset about some of the signage, which says Bartlett for president instead of Bartlett is the president or <laughs> Bartlett continue as Bartlett the president. I don't know what language works better than Let that. I would have never. Bartlett stay. I don't Bartlett. think anybody would. Is that supposed to be some subconscious thing or something? But it seems pretty normal to me. You know what's even better though is um, when you see a sign that has four yeah. crossed out and says, "Yeah, again, is it looks, the." It looks like absolute shit. Yeah, that's yeah. a much better message to send. And then Bruno tells him to stop worrying about that. Go write a speech that doesn't make him think he's sitting shiva. Be a speech, would you? One that doesn't make me think I'm sitting shiva someplace. Black curtains on the mirrors. And then they have to explain a detail, a week of one specific detail of sitting shiva, which is you cover your mirrors. Right. With black sheets. <laughs> Throw some I never did that. No, I don't know I never anyone the who mirrors. actually did that. What's, what's the uh, reason? Is that so that you don't get self-conscious about like not having... Yeah, you're like, not, you're not yes. supposed to like, see your own reflection so you like can look all haggard or whatever. Right. I mean, there's like more of a deeper meaning, but I think that's like the new meaning okay. of it. It's just so you're not supposed to be worried about anything except grieving. And like sitting Shiva is supposed to be like, it's like a, the cathartic sort of... Have y'all done it before? Oh, the, yeah. The full seven days? Yeah. It's great. People bring food to your house. There's like, a lot of food. So much food. There's so you, much food. You great eat, spread at a Shiva. Yeah, mm. such good spread. Great spread. Like, um, when I had to sit Shiva, like, people were, like, delivering, like, giant platters of latkes to my house, like, every Sick. single day for a week. It was... And then after the week, I was like, "Where no more latkes? Like, no. <laughs> we're all no, we, we had a nice little system yeah, going here. I still have to eat. Like, <laughs> come on. Um, but it's like the best food. <laughs> yeah. And then like people, it's just like people are. I don't know how this. I guess you're just like distraught, so you don't really like care. But like people are at your house constantly for seven days straight. Like you're Sounds never awful. alone. Yeah. And then you're alone at night, but like it's. It's kind of good because it's like a distraction and it's sort of, but you're not entertaining. That's the weird thing. Like everyone's doing their own entertaining for you. Mm. It's like people came to your house well, and probably threw just a like party. telling stories and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's nice. It it's like, nice. a good tradition. It's a good tradition. Yeah. I think it's better than like an All open the other casket traditions. or, yeah, a weird like ceremony. An Irish uh, like drunkard's wake. Yeah. There is a, there's, you there's still a ton drink. of drinking. You drink yeah. at a shiva a lot. Actually, that was the other thing is my house, like growing up, we, we always had like alcohol, but more like wine. My parents didn't drink like tons of hard liquor until they were older. <laughs> and then, <laughs> <laughs> now they do. <laughs> Sorry, my mom and dad. But um, uh, we had like a full bar because <laughs> people just brought stuff over too. <laughs> so there was like tons of alcohol in our house. Just like an abundance of everything. Is this where also where we get the Toby uh, hand yeah, gesture the, like, as a result fuck of that? Off, yeah. Like, uh, what is that? What is that? How do you look this up on Google? 
Take mm. a picture of me doing it and reverse image search it. No, that's <laughs> a yeah, that's a thing. But what does it mean? Is it like suck Hand my under chin gesture? Kiss my. It's you know, it's just chin. like uh, when they would bite their thumb at you, sir. What's that mean? There's actually a, a a stalker Channing acting moment where she does that and explains what it means. That's what it's called. It's called a stalker Channing. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's the stalker Channing. It's the Rizzo. Speaking of stalker Channing in this episode, like saying shitty things to people, the way that she says jackass. Jackass. Chicken ass wannabe. And she says it several times in this episode. It just immediately makes me think of her character in Greece. She just sounds exactly like no, that. No, she, but that, that acting beat that she, that she has there at the end of their little fight mm-hmm. is so good. Like, oh, it's so good. She's They're just, both so good in this yeah. episode. There's really nothing even close to as enjoyable I would this watch episode than the moments between them. Just give us their retirement disputes. life together. No. Yeah. There's just more domestic disputes. We just want domestic the disputes. The show should be more like King of Queens, I always say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always so say The that. chin yes. flick, brushing the back of your hand under your chin in a flicking motion means get lost in Belgium, Northern Italy, and Tunisia. Tunisia. In France, this gesture is known as la barba, the yeah. beard. La barba. And it's the, the hand sign equivalent of macho grandstanding. Hey, la barba. Hey. So it's actually like hey. not much of a curse word it's just like a get lost yeah. right like go away it's like a, La it's sort of a subtle more subtle version of grabbing your crotch it's dismissive that's that sounds like the french version the french yeah, yeah. that's how the french do it yeah mm. <laughs> are you telling us to get lost Brayden? no just... i'm grabbing my crotch <laughs> <laughs> so we're backstage just an itch that part of your body does look like your crotch <laughs> <laughs> We're backstage. It's CJ and Josh. Uh, Josh checks in with CJ about her quitting plan, and she says she doesn't really want to talk about it. They talk about this 4U86 thing some more. Josh is obsessed. He flubs one of the names again. He says subcommittee instead of uh, whatever the fuck. Whatever, uh, but he's corrupt as shit. He yeah. wants to corrupt. He, he's like, he's, he's like, dirty. He's like, I'm not talking about a real crime. I'm just talking about like a white collar crime. Like, <laughs> just like a massive government fraud. Yeah. He wants to call his buddy at the FDA and get him to take the... Put some pressure on him. Yeah, he wants to apply some pressure. And then we we see a, a cutaway of Toby fixing the signs by hand, and they, they just look like shit. They look awful. They're really bad. They just need to throw all those out and start over. They have they, a whole day. They need new signs. And we He's get the freaking president. We go flashback to a Roosevelt Room meeting, and it's got like everybody in it. It's got all the White House staff. It's got all the new campaign staff. They are discussing whether it makes sense to even have an event at all. I want to say for maybe the 18th time that I don't think we should be doing an announcement event at all. If he's going to run for re-election, he's got to announce that he's going to run for re-election. Toby and Doug are, of course, on opposite sides of it. Mm-hmm. Doug talks about how he's from Oregon. I'm from Oregon. In Oregon, we like to see a man stand up and say he's sorry. Where are you from? Me? Yeah. I'm from the United States. I've sucked my... All right. To suck my... What? Uh, what I th- couldn't believe that he said What do you think he that? was going to say? My Washington penis. Monument. Oh, you don't think he's going to say hole? Suck my hole? <laughs> Which hole? The money yeah, exactly. hole. Like his mouth hole, like they just put their mouths on each other and they just like <laughs> inhale. He could have been, he could have said butt. Yeah. Suck my butt. Suck my butt, man. That's a funnier phrase. <laughs> <laughs> After the meeting, um, Bruno like pulls Josh aside. He says, you really fucked up tobacco. Subcommittee about tobacco. Yes, I was. Well, that was stupid. You think? Yeah, I know. Well, combat is vulnerable in his home state. It's got an influx of tech and other clean industries along his Route 9 corridor, along with the suburban voters that go with it. We got the money, Bruno. You don't want the money. 
want the issue. And Comback, Lita, Ross, O'Rourke, Stevens, whoever gets the nomination has it hanging around their necks that nicotine pushes. Plus you get the money. By, this is the thing you were asking about earlier, Brady. Yeah, I didn't understand yeah. this either. He says, so there's this vulnerable, it was a House committee, Senate committee? Senate committee, right? There's this vulnerable senator, or multiple, like three of them, from swing, what they consider swing states in the election who are voting against the tobacco funding. So Josh made this big deal about it, and he put out this press release that was really inflammatory, right. and they caved and gave him the money. And Bruno says, you fucked up like the play of that because we had this like powerful issue that we could use against these vulnerable senators Mm-hmm. To pull in um, swing voters in the Pennsylvania suburbs, <laughs> he, like he, they are running the Hillary campaign. <laughs> like <laughs> like the, all they're interested in is these people who are like never going to vote for Democrats. <laughs> what the fuck is a swing voter? I don't get it. They're undecided people. Like they who are these people? Reagan Democrats, Clinton Republicans. I've actually never met a swing voter before, and this is the only election like with Trump and Hillary where I met. Right, talk to people who were Republicans and maybe thought Hillary was like not as bad, but still didn't want to vote for her. I mean, there was certainly some number of people that it's documented that there are like Obama Trump voters. There's a non-zero number of those, and those act and that I, exists. Yeah, that's I, real. And I think in cer- certainly in Michigan, which was extremely close, I think that probably like that was like I a ten thousand vote margin. Didn't vote for Do president, think- but yeah, that number is vastly, vastly outweighed by the number of people who don't show up and right. don't vote right. and have previously voted. Like the idea I, that tur- maximizing turnout of your existing supporters is less oh, of the focus. It's than not even convincing. A- yeah. People who don't even know enough to have already taken a position right. is so stupid and is such made up horseshit because that's what motivates this whole ad buy media market consultancy bullshit. How do we convince people? How do we focus group this? How do we do that? It's like, no, just figure out how to get people to turn out for voting. Yeah. AOC got uh, a 67 percent increase over the previous primary mm-hmm. and because like, she's actually inspiring and then, and then one by 15 per 13 percent or whatever have we gone to aoc this fast we never even gave a first reference oh alexandria oh ocasio ocasio i didn't want to try to pronounce yeah uh, <laughs> i couldn't remember yeah she so for people who don't live in new york and are not looking at she's the been on this, meet the press she's like yeah. national figure now it's amazing yeah. oh, meet the every every one of our listeners must have seen meet <laughs> but the i'm press. saying like that she's if she's not a, a like Twitter famous person right. anymore. She is a fa- political world famous person now. In case you're living under a rock, she beat out Crowley, which was like unbelievable. Honestly, I swear to God, I've never heard of that guy before, and I follow politics <laughs> so closely. <laughs> he was a uh, I mean, Nancy Pelosi's right hand. Right. I know who he is now, right. but like, if you would have asked me like who this guy is, I I don't think I would have been able to identify what party yeah. he was for. She's a super establishment Democrat. It was yeah. a big upset and kind of incredible, and she is. 28 years old, very inspiring. DSA. What? She's DSA. What's DSA? Democrat. Oh, Democratic Socialist. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is great. I and just talk in acronyms now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and grew up in the Bronx, which is a contested oh, issue yeah, at no, the she, moment. She's, she's from Richie Westchester. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, she lived in a she lived in a place with a roof when she was growing up. There was yeah. a whole neighborhood with and other she, houses. How dare she? And, and she claims She's, to be yeah. caring about the poor. Yeah, this is actually something like crazy that I just don't even understand. Is that there's there are Democrats and people who are really not into Trump, but also like 
not into Democrats either who well, are I mean, people want to hear think she's a full plan. of shit. Yeah. Like that's why she did well. That's why right. honestly why Trump did well probably too cuz like you had an, if you would have asked people like day 1 what is Trump going to do? He's going to build the wall, he's going to tax cut or whatever. He's going to yeah. like there was like a, He's going to kick out all the immigrants. He, there there was like an agenda. Yeah. And what was Hillary's plan? Uh not be Trump. Uh let's <laughs> start uh, a blue ribbon committee about how much we're going to cut, cut social, social security. security. Yeah. yeah. It's like, all right, great. That's really, I'm going to get out and turn out for that. Right. Well, that was, uh, we were talking about this recently that Jason actually brought up um, Obama's first press conference, which was basically a huge statement of like, okay, we got here and like promised all these things, but like, the ship, is, the ship of state moves. Slowly. Yes. It's not too much. Like, not what, too quick. What political leader who gets ushered in, in, in basically a huge margin. The, the where, biggest. That was the, the biggest landslide in our Enormous lifetime. turnout. Enormous. At the time that there's a giant crisis created by the prior administration, which for the first time in a long time in American history, highlights unavoidably the class differences in our country that are usually Filip- sort of Filibuster-proof majority Filibuster-proof majority in the Senate. Large majority in the house. They could have passed anything. They and wanted. the first press conference is whoa, 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 everybody! But Jason, like, don't expect too much from me. You don't because, understand. Because uh, this is a hard job. Obama was a radical leftist mm. dictator. Okay, yeah, a lot of radical. I remember a lot of radical leftists who got up and were like, "I'm not going to do a whole lot." So everyone just calm down. He was don't an ask me to do a lot. Who upset I'm not going to. the natural order of things? Mm. We're socialists now. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that, the reason that we have no money anymore or private property, mm. Obamacare. Obama did it. Yes. He stole our guns. <laughs> yes. And he changed it forever. So Josh fucked up <clears throat> the, the takeaway <laughs> yeah. there. And he, they, they cue the dramatic music. Of course you got the money. I'm amazed you didn't send it to you with candy and a stripper. Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio. Three swing states you could have brought over with that. That's an election. Such dramatic slow, music. Slowly zoom away from him as he sulks in his chair. And they use that musical cue, which is a, a custom composed that's a sad that's cue. A, that's a Snuffy Walden original flow. Right. He, that, I remember hearing this exact sadness cue in prior episodes because there's like a brass note where it's just like, it's like at oh, the end of the, the brass sad thing, note. there's a minor note that's like heavy trumpet. And and it's like, whoa, Love this is like a trumpet. funeral sound. Oh, yeah. I think I know what it goes. <laughs> it's <laughs> And then they play it later in the episode. Like where they do is like like a close pan in on Josh because you can see he's like really like mulling this over how much he failed and fucked up, and they play that musical cue and it does the job of you not having to have exposition like or understand what actually yeah happened you're, you're like scene. oh right Josh all right okay, he's thinking about that that, that Josh thing yeah so I went with the the Price is Right you fucked up song um, which somebody pointed out is the Come On Down song slowed down. Come On Down? The, the It's the song that you, they play when you get your name called and you're super excited. Yeah. And the, when you fail in Price is Right, it's the 
same song, but it's just slowed down. <laughs> it's so brilliant. <laughs> that's that's regular sad trombone. There's no warble at the end. I like though. this as like a point. sad sound. That's more of like a longing sad. This song. should be the like for everything the sad song. Yeah, that's like where you superimpose like a sunset over someone walking on a beach. Yeah, looking out a window. Yeah. So there's the speech, or the night before the speech, um, the first lady's on stage and kind of just like feeling out the space, practicing her speech. <laughs> President pulls up in his motorcade and there's a, they have this like awkward conversation. I didn't know you were gonna be here. I'm introducing you. I thought Leland was got it. Well, CJ thought it would be good. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I can tell. No, I think it's a good idea. Oh, I didn't know. What do you? Oh, you're you, here. You're gonna be in the I'm thing. I'm here. Oh, no, here. no, I want you to be in the no. thing. But no, but you're gonna. Okay. I didn't it's, know it's, she was here. He says. Yeah, it's super awkward. But um, there. I think that the ice is starting to thaw a little. It looks like. Hello. Uh, he at least saw lady. her this time. Right. So. Improvement. Well, she wasn't laying down. <laughs> <laughs> when I lay down, I just like disappear. <laughs> like Kate Moss. <laughs> They flash back, um, and this is the president and Abby again, and they kind of give us some context of why things were so awkward between them. Um, he's in he's in bed reading. She sees him just fine, by the way. And well, women have a special skill where they see everything all the time. <laughs> and the president stinks real bad, <laughs> so she's got <laughs> other senses to use. Um, and he starts getting uh, huffy about how he's got to read this agriculture report. What are you reading? I don't know enough about agriculture. Well, I wouldn't worry about it. Agriculture isn't really your field. Yeah, well, agriculture is responsible for one in five American jobs, so it is a little bit my field. You know... 15% of the world's cotton, 25% of the world's beef, and 50% of the world's soybeans are grown in my field. Farmers and ranchers pay taxes in my field. Their kids go to school in my field. They go to jail in my field. From time to time, they go to war in my field. Jeff. So when I say it's not my field, I'm not saying something. I'm trying to learn so I can. It's like He's like so angry and such an asshole. And then they start yelling at each other like an actual argument that's actually about what they're actually arguing about. He's, Why aren't you with me? How do you know I'm not? You're not. You're pissed at me? You go from I've got a lot to say to I can't say it right now because I've got so much to say to I gotta read about agriculture and you're not with me and go to hell? Sit down, we'll talk about it now. I'm not in the mood, jackass. Isn't there any way I could change your mind because I really had my heart set on it? Go to hell. She flurries off. You know, first couple's mad at each other. They flash forward, then it's Leo and the president, and the president's mostly upset that Leo didn't inform him that his wife was going to be there. CJ wants her to introduce me. Yeah, I thought it was a good idea, too. I wouldn't mind a little, you know. So you got to give me a heads up on this shit, man. I don't want to see that bitch. <laughs> what are you doing, my dude? Flashback again, um, Toby and Sam. Um, Sam is uh, talking to Toby about how the president's got to apologize. And Toby says, uh, it's not going to make a difference. I don't know. It's a really quick scene. Um, it's just reiterating that Sam is kind of caught up on this particular thing. Um, they flash forward. Sam is kind of looking out into the New Hampshire night sky. Connie pulls up. There's no Starbucks in New Hampshire. I was out trying to find a Starbucks. Guy in a gas station said around here people don't pay four dollars for a cup of coffee. It's also super late. That's not the time. I don't know. People drink coffee. It's late, not whatever. 7-11. I'm not gonna judge her. You can get a seven eleven, I bet. Oh yeah. So she pulls up, she says, Can I join you? You know, we'll have a chat. She covers for Doug one more time, because that's all she really does. And then she says 
You were with him at the beginning. You got him elected. You got him elected. You work for Bartlett 18 hours a day. You, I think you want him to apologize and not just for political reasons. And then Sam is extremely convincing in that he hasn't <laughs> thought about it. You know, it's just been, I haven't really thought about that so much. I just haven't had really time to think about it. I haven't thought about it. I haven't thought that much about it. There's been a lot going on. I haven't really thought that much about it. It's, so he, does, on, he doesn't come across his sense of honor in not like showing his cards to an outsider is sort of undermined by the fact that he straight up says you're a sycophant aren't you does that's it that yeah him? he's like you're the kind of person whose job description is pretty much to come into a room and say sorry about doug he actually means like something yeah. more tactful this yeah. was like very demeaning to her this whole scene and then she was like well sometimes i say it to him mm. in the when everyone's in Boo. The and then she says Hey, Sam, do you feel this connection between me and you two? And then he says, I thought you would never ask, but when, but we work together. It would, it would be wrong. And then she says, that's what makes or it so, so right. right yeah. <laughs> and then they kiss. Oh, sorry. That was, that was in my version. Of this episode. Yeah, that they're, organic moment could not have been written by Aaron Sorkin. They are such a beautiful couple. They are. They would be a great couple. I know. I don't know why they didn't have her stick around longer in this show. Um Sorry, she's not going to be here on every episode oh, forever. Yeah, spoilers. Um, I was just getting to know and love Connie. <laughs> <laughs> then we have Doug, Bruno, and Toby, and they are talking about, I don't know, they're talking about the speech some more. Um, again, they talk about how they want to put specifics in, but they don't actually mention, why don't they just come up with some platform that he's supposed to be running yeah, on? This is such a it's, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip tactic where it's just like, we're going to make the best sketch, the most cutting sketch, <laughs> the most truth-telling sketch, and the whole episode's about that battle, and then they're like, cut to fade out as they start the sketch uh, yeah and then cut back as they're like the audience is like laughing and yeah. plotting <laughs> god damn that show was so bad <laughs> <laughs> no payoffs ever yeah and, and then toby storms off uh into like a kitchen or something like that doug comes and talk to him and he's also diagnosing the uh, apology thing you guys are so pissed at him you don't even know it I think that that's a swingers reference. You're so money and you don't even know it. <laughs> and D Doug's shirt would lead me to believe that it is because he, yes. he's definitely wearing Vince Vaughn's yeah. outfit. In that. that dude definitely fucks. <laughs> and then Bruno says that the speech is locked, so uh, it doesn't really matter what else they're going to argue about. The president signed off on it. They're going to go with what they have currently. Next day, day of the speech, Josh is in his hotel room. He's not getting dressed. He's uh, not showered, not shaved, because he's brooding over this 486 thing and how he wants to fix it. And how he wants to break the law. Yeah. I read a fun trivia about this, that he's wearing a Wesleyan shirt, mm -hmm. but Josh did not go to Wesleyan. He did not. He went to Harvard. Yeah, and Yale, I think, right? And, uh, Maybe. I think yeah, Wesleyan was a safety school? Well, so um, Bradley Whitford actually did go to Wesleyan IRL. I figured it was because he was from Connecticut. Mm. And Wesleyan's in Connecticut, so maybe it's just like a local town thing. It's a local Bradley Whitford thing. Interesting. <laughs> uh, so Donna comes in, and she's like, you got to get dressed. We got to hurry up. You're, you're late. And he starts talking to her about how... I blew the tobacco thing. That could have helped us. I was... It's going to be a very close election. May have been like the first time he said it to anybody, and he and he punches the wall. I could have picked up the phone. I could have picked up the Josh. phone. I could... He's gonna hurt himself again. He's got to call Doctor Stanley Keyworth in because <laughs> yeah. he's he's 
acting out a violent ideation. No, I think it's clear since it never ever comes up ever ever again that he got fixed. he cured his PTSD right. within one season. Thank God, because he's actually like behaving exactly like he was behaving in that previous episode. Yeah, um, but it's not really much of a thing. This one. Um, Do you guys ever punch a wall? I have never punched a wall. Mm. Me, me neither. When I was a kid, I did, but I wasn't really that angry. I just wanted to make my parents have to pay for something to get fixed. Did you break the wall? <laughs> yeah. You broke I, a wall. Yeah. You punched through a wall. I punched through a wall. I don't think I've ever punched but through a wall. I was like pretty calm about it. I was like, I'm going to just, I'm going to make them have to patch this wall. Yeah. Through it? Well, I threw both sides. Like, well, even through one side. That's like sheetrock. Yeah. Yeah. I was a very strong boy. Oh my I gosh. So. Strong boy. You're an absolute boy, Jason. Thank you. Is there any chance that this tobacco thing is going to flip three states, like Bruno says, in an election? No. no, definitely not. Yeah, so I don't know why Josh is so like obsessed. Especially over because, it. like, okay, what if Big Tobacco offered the money to the Bartlett campaign? You think they wouldn't take that? Of course they would take that. <laughs> they offer a Democratic Party. Of course they're going to take that. It's total BS. It's like we're trying to get elected, but we, fu- yeah, we we accepted this money, but we're going to work with Big Tobacco to get them to stop advertising to children and to stop, you know, and agree to all these labeling things. Like, there's so many ways you can spin that. It's not just like a foregone conclusion that you can hang it around their neck as tobacco pushes. Yeah. And by the way, I just want to point out a really good impression. We didn't get a chance to talk about it, but like, Bruno's delivery is. I can't tell whether it's genius or it's just like he's great. A lazy <laughs> way of seeming engaging, right? Because none of his inflection is normal. He's like a when low you watch talker. that scene, he he like combines. He doesn't like emphasize certain things that any other he actor would emphasize. A little bit. He just slurs it all together. He really makes you try <laughs> to figure out the hell he's saying, and you're like, that's brilliant. But on the other hand, anyone could just like read it in a totally like if an alien was going to try to like I feel read like dialogue. his strategy is that he's like so experienced and has had so much success doing what he's doing that he's like I don't need to impress anyone you either take no, it no, or that, leave yeah, it that part that attitude yeah. is there too I'm and that makes say, sense Bruno's got big dick energy he does and if you turn on the uh, subtitles, you can actually see <laughs> that they cut that line. Who like coined this term? Where did it come from? Um, it's it's about I don't know some. I thought it's some it's, like pop stars. Uh, Pete fiance. Davidson. Yeah, it's about okay. Pete Davidson. Yeah. <laughs> I was that's the first time I saw it, and I wasn't sure if that was the no, origin. It's about him. Yeah. Okay. Um. So. Good for you, Pete. Next scene, CJ. <laughs> well and named. CJ and the president back in the barn, and he says, Don't be a marriage counselor. It pisses me off, okay? Sir. That part of my life doesn't belong to you. Sir. Hands off my wife or whatever, you know, look, don't. CJ says, Sir, I think if you get a bump in the polls after today's speech, as we expect you will, I think it'd be a good time for me to resign. Yeah. Bad timing. Yeah, and the president's yeah. like, yeah, that's nonsense. Uh, you know, because there's there's people born in Harlem that aren't succeeding or whatever. <laughs> Children are crying. People are dying. Concentrate, is what he says. Are you okay, Brandon? I need another beer. <laughs> <laughs> you did get the the odd man out microphone stand. I oh, you know, my neck hurts. I'm I've got a little. I got a little mic stand. I'm always leaning over. They I would only a... sell me three of them. That's Not cool, Mike. Why do you guys always take them? Well, you think like you would spread it around? <laughs> but I think. I th- <laughs> Why do I always have? Didn't to you get tell them the like I, I'm putting on like a polyphonic spree podcast, so I need a I, lot of these. <laughs> I think the statute of limitations is passed though, and I can get a fourth one now. 
I think it. I think oh, it'll they work like out. wouldn't let you buy. Yeah, like I tried to buy four, and they were like, "You can only buy three of these at a time." <laughs> could you do two separate transactions? I probably could have. I didn't mm. work too hard. Mm, you're bad, Eric. You just do everything else for this podcast. <laughs> Sorry for your neck. Why don't you take? He's, you are box? ordering it right now, aren't you? <laughs> doing it. Currently unavailable. <gasps> what? Damn, I'm gonna find me a real fancy one. You three are gonna get these old <laughs> ones. That's fine. Anyways, okay. So I want C- the fancy one. So CJ makes good on her offer to resign to Leo, and she actually does it. I think she's just kind of fed up. You know, she can't even like work a photo op. Like, what is she doing on this campaign? President blows up at her. That's nonsense to me, and I don't care. Well, you might not care. For all the new jobs we've created, there are single mothers working two of them at minimum wage. There are school districts where less than half the students graduate. And a kid born in Harlem is more likely to go to prison than a four-year college. They're bringing guns to school. Don't you dare lecture me, Mr. President. Don't you dare do it. They have a quiet moment. She starts to walk away, and the president's like, ah, y'all are my children. I'm... (laughs) I could have never done it. I got in it. Polling in the single digits. Hoynes had it locked up. I got in it to give some speeches and keep him honest. Then you guys came along, and all of a sudden I got 22% in Iowa, and then South Carolina and Michigan, and then Illinois. Okay, this is like the most interesting part. This is the one part of the whole episode where they add something to a character that's like meaningful, right? Other than, I guess, the Bruno team. And they're like, Papa. And he's like, you know... I didn't really think I was even going to be president. That wasn't even the plan. Why would I have told them during the campaign that I was sick if like the whole thing was just, I was there to troll Hoynes and like make him like keep him honest. Mm -hmm. And that is really interesting. A great moment. I wish it had been like in front of the whole team, but it is kind of nice that it's just CJ and him. I guess they were kind of trying to figure out whether he would apologize to her first, but this is almost better than apology because it's just like... He says I was wrong, but he doesn't apologize. He says that he was wrong to bench her. He doesn't say anything about the MS specifically here. But he says that taking you off was a mistake. Um, It was my dumb wife. And this feels... sorry I listened to it, right? (laughs) This feels like a good... Like, this feels like an authentic moment between characters that heals something a little bit. And we get inspiring music in this one now. Thank you. Yeah, little, not little wah, cute. Wah, wah. Yeah, they speed it up. And <laughs> then... <laughs> After that's the president and Abby. They're in the car on the way to the speech. And he has a little George Costanza moment here where he's like, I could have been an astronaut. I could have been an astronaut. You could not have been an astronaut. I'd have been a great astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> this is I the best time. <laughs> This is the best one. Yeah. Um, and she, yeah, because he's like, yeah, you know, people that go to the moon, they get divorced, you know? And she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Excuse me? It could have been worse. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a nice little moment. I haven't really made up my mind yet. But at the moment, I'm leaning towards voting for you. Yeah, this is a great moment. Yeah, it's nice. And then... We are backstage at the speech. They're in a little classroom. It's kind of a funny little set for everybody. And they're arguing over the word, the use of the word torpor and whether they should keep it in the speech. Um, I, it's not great. Not a great word. It doesn't sound very good. stupid. It doesn't sound good. Guys, I just want to say, I knew that torpor was probably a bad thing. Like I felt strong that it was, it, it was bad. 
that yeah. you didn't want to have torpor. Yeah, it's oh, somewhere it. between ennui and Welshmerts. Mm. I just felt it in my heart. I couldn't have. To- I couldn't have defined it. There's a synonym that doesn't lose you any important shade of meaning that everyone understands. What's and that? Leo's the one who keeps saying he's like dull. Yeah, it's dull. Yeah, that word's dull. So the president comes in and kind of like answers a rhetorical question that somebody had asked when he wasn't in the room, his favorite thing to do. I know what the word means. I'm saying if people don't know what the word means... They can look it up. Good morning, Mr. President. It's not our job to appeal to the lowest common denominator, Doug. It's our job to raise it. If you're going to be the education president, it'd be nice not to hide that you have an education. Of all the things that get like yeah, hung up over exactly. is like so bad. Oh, it's a we, waste. we we have to we have to show how smart and big words it is we a are. Waste of that otherwise important point. This is like a let Bartlett be Bartlett scene, but let Bartlett let use big words. Yeah. Scene. Yeah, let, Bar- <laughs> let Bartlett be like a pedantic know it all show off. And then yeah, and like the new let Bartlett be Bartlett is we're gonna write a new book. So he said we're gonna write a new book. Starting a new book. Starting with this compromise speech that we all starting hate. with the word this, torpor. At, at this moment. We're going to set the political world on fire. Um, he kicks Bruno's team out of the room. He wants to have a private moment with like his team. His children. And he apologizes to all of them for all of the trouble he's caused them. It occurs to me, I never said I'm sorry. I am. For the lawyers, for the press, for the mess, for the fear. The way he starts this, though, is really confusing. Churchill and FDR, serious men using big words for big purpose. Big men using big words for big purpose. (laughs) And then you're like, where is this going? And then there's a pause. And then he's like, sorry, guys. This is just like, shows how good of an actor Martin Sheen is. Because when you say it, it sounds really dumb. No, no, if you watch it again, I don't even think Martin Sheen could figure out how to deliver that line. I personally thought Jason did a great performance. If you watch watch it, Martin Sheen's like, "Uh, I guess I'm going to... I maybe the only way to play that would have been like I I was going to give an inspiring like locker room speech that didn't have the apology. Mm-hmm. And so he starts in with like this stupid cheesy locker right. room speech and then he goes Oh, fuck this shit. This is bullshit. Like he, I, I always he rips guys up the speech. He, yeah. throws, he goes at. If he done that, and you could Webster's see that in his face. dictionary defines president. <laughs> I'm gonna start every sentence now with like proper nouns, like Oprah. Yeah. Ellen. Steve Harvey. Big lady <laughs> using a big stage for big effect. Yeah. <laughs> you can really do that her with anyone. Her weight fluctuates. Her weight fluctuates. Sorry. She's a big, no, she has a big presence. Big yeah. Personality. Big I'm not trying to body shame anyone. All big personalities. Right. All people big personality like. better. Steve Harvey. Big men wearing big suits. When are we grilling suits. today? Yeah. <laughs> Making big mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> but like... Okay. Making big bucks. <laughs> I, I just don't understand. It's really unclear what the hell that meant. And then he's talking about the word torpor. <laughs> Both FDR <laughs> and Churchill. Word. They loved it. But apathy is a bigger word. But anyway, I, here's my question. We always mention FDR and Churchill. Why do we leave out Stalin? I have never mentioned that. Stalin was at, as important, if not the most important representative of a nation that was allied to defeat Because he, he, he broke bad afterwards. Right. <laughs> right. Can I feel this but whatever. One? He's just, like, the Russians why? should get credit for that. But why would they mention Stalin? It was the three of them. Those are the three people that, that did that was, all the those heroic the allies. shit. Those are the three. It Whenever was, you, if you mention two... Yeah, it's like three three uh, the, guys. The Yalta Yalta yeah. conference thing was those three on stage. Every but every other meeting before yeah. and after Yalta, it was like those three dudes 
were the powerful countries that defeated the Nazis and Japanese mm-hmm. Empire. And like Stalin had the most, the Russians had the most casualties by, by far of any other member of the Allies. And they like helped defeat Hitler, right? And it's ridiculous to be like, oh, Churchill, you know, did it. FDR, hero. And then be like, Stalin, let's just Who? cut him out. Who's let's edit him out of this because eventually they, you the, know, the guy United with the mustache. Okay. Yeah. Opposition. We'll put him in too? All right, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they go out in uh, alpha strike formation. <laughs> it's the president in the front. You got the lieutenants behind him. Everybody's clapping. Uh, they don't let Donna or Charlie out on stage. They have to hang back in the wings, but everybody else is on stage. That's a little bit of a weird framing for that. They don't usually have the like political aides at yeah, the political weird. event, but it made for a nice like shot at the end. Uh, and that's the credits, and they show two people in the Oval Office. It's another boring, terrible Oval <laughs> still frame. So that is the episode. Headlines? Oh, question. Wait, wait. Okay, it just hit mind. me. Not headlines. Did they? Do you think that the still frame... At the end of the episode, is literally like cutting room floor scraps. It's like they stuff, send someone in there, they're the, like from the episode usually. No, I'm saying like we edited together the episode, and we were like using our little cutter, mm-hmm. old school, not digital editing. Definitely how they made right, maybe <laughs> right. They must have. And then they would send in some like intern and be like, "You find us like a frame." On the floor, and that's what we're going to use for the yeah. end of the credits. Get me a frame. Sure. That's why it's always like literally trash. <laughs> Let's say yes. Let's say yes. I would say definitely. Yeah. Any um, interns out there from the West Wing that want to come on the show, we'd be happy to find out just the answer to that question, and that's it. So then I have a headline. Yeah. Headlines. <laughs> okay. Revealed. Senior White House official is an immigrant from United States of Suck My Weenus. Mm. <laughs> that sound effect was pretty right. release. How'd oh, you yeah. do that? Wow. Yeah. And then also, um, Braden like blew up my spot about this one earlier, but I just wrote, are you 486? Like, That's really good. Spelled out. <laughs> you just wrote it. I, no, you I, wrote the name of it. I wrote, yeah. Listen, I wrote why don't we it, do, like, a version, do, do a version of that headline read where, like, as if Braden hadn't said that, and then maybe Eric can just edit that. What? <laughs> <laughs> like, edit out everything Braden said. Yeah, that like. part where Braden ruined your joke. No, we had, like, a whole conversation about it. Mm. He's going to have to edit this out now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We'll make it work. That's all I got. Not uh, strong this okay. week. Um, yeah, no. So okay, I know. No, I mean I don't. I didn't do anything. Oh. oh, oh. <laughs> uh, so so with this the CJ Abby thing, I said, whose side are you on? <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, I'm Team Siege. Give the girl a drink. <laughs> Bartlett's elitist speech torpedoed. His oh, chances nice. with the Midwest or something. I don't that's know. That's good. That's good. A, a path you to the White House. <laughs> and um, Bazan's demand so crazy, he deserves a different kind of asylum. <laughs> like that's a, good. Yeah, like yeah. We're there. Like an insane asylum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. <laughs> that's mm. Good job, Eric. That's what I got. Real college try this week for yeah. you. <laughs> I didn't try. Um, there, yeah, there's not a lot of news in this one, to be honest. Doug it was, it was difficult for me. Wegland. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Weggles is what we call him. Uh, so final thoughts, and we can we can roll this as a what did we think about the two parter? Um, um, I will start it off by reiterating that this was a chronologically edited thing. I think it would have been much much better. I agree, and I had to watch. Usually, I only watch episodes like once. Um, this one. 
I had to watch twice because I was so bored the first time. Mm. I was I really to... bored the first time. It was so this boring. Was boring. I, I fell had asleep to... a little. Yeah. <laughs> it's because they did the thing where they just have like the characters have the same exact. Like there's a thing even Sorkin says a lot too. It's like every scene a character's got to have an intention. They want to get something out of the scene. Like that's what drama is. That's how you write good dramas. Like all the characters want something like otherwise did you not take there. his master class somebody bought it for me oh my God. <laughs> I, I only watched i only watched like two episodes of it but like but like this this is like a you know uh what's the guy from adaptation or whatever yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the like handbook for mm-hmm. writing stuff it's like that's like you want characters to have something and like if you have a character come on and just say what they're like fretting about for six scenes in a row like josh does and there's no resolution to it or anything like it's all, all you really get is the chronological reveal as like suppose some supposed dramatic moment, but it doesn't. If you, it doesn't actually infuse any drama into the situation. Right. It's just like, oh, there's a thing that was kind of confusing, and now I understand what it's talking about. I think so. You're like connecting stuff back, and it doesn't really. It's like faux sophistication. It's and not. It's, it's also actually like clever. Feels kind of a little lazy and uninteresting that basically all the characters like the main characters had to had the same problem like to resolve they all felt like the president betrayed them and all wanted him to say sorry to them yeah. and they all had to go on their own separate journey to find that and it just like felt unrealistic well they, like, they could have like started off with with someone speculating like bruno's team speculating i feel like the reason this is like this is such a problem is because yeah. they don't know how to but it wasn't even just that the ca- like the main characters was i mean the staff it was also like abby and it's just like this sh- it was the apology tour episode well, but that, that's so what the, abby, the reason the abby and president scenes work is because you already they've already set up why right. like what they want that they need to reconcile this betrayal and that they haven't done that yet because he's been so busy or yeah. he's kind of avoiding it that makes sense that's like a whole scene mm-hmm. But every other sort of conflicty scene, you don't really know what anyone's motivations are. So you're just like, yeah. I don't understand why everyone's upset. And there's no thing, like they spend so much time on the speech. They spent literally two episodes on writing the speech. And there's no speech. moment where they come together and like somebody's like, oh, we just need to say something. And, every, and the other team is like, oh, that's it. And like yep. add something. Or catharsis. Like, yeah, where they come out of it. It's just like they keep arguing up until the point where it's like decided from above, like up oh, speech is done. You're that doesn't stop arguing because yeah. you can't argue about it. I mean, which is maybe a, some drawn out point about how you never, you know, can't always get what you want or whatever, but like, it's not interesting or like, doesn't add anything to the characters. Doesn't make you like root for these new characters anymore. Like they are blank slates for Toby to yell at, at this point mm-hmm. and for Sam to try to have sex with. <laughs> yeah or to oh, miss out on having again, sex with that didn't happen in this episode sorry <laughs> um so yeah not not the best season finale i think of all of the season finales so far or season intros Openers, yeah. yeah this has been the worst out of the this three. really is other than the name just two consecutive episodes like there's no reason they could they should have called this like manchester one and I, two i think it would it would potentially have been if we just had the manchester stuff as part two and we had all the dc stuff as part one like the manchester one might have been good because it would have had all the stuff in the bar yeah it's like it. a special episode yeah yeah it would have looked it would have looked really good the entire way through it had a bunch of different sets like that could have played out a little better um but like 
they spent so much time on the apology stuff last week, and then they introduce it this week by Sam being like, "Oh, he hasn't apologized." But they like spent ha- they spent ten minutes on that last yeah. episode. Do you, do you think what happened here is they had a chronological edit and then they delayed it for nine eleven, and then Sorkin just like was like. I'm locking myself in the editing room. I don't think he does for like the, the extra two weeks that I, he had. I, I, I think there's a. I mean, there's something sort of to that. I think where it's like, oh, this is the opener. We have to make it seem sophisticated and cool. Like it's like we we had such success with the flashback episode, the last premiere. Like this one's got to feel special. And they would have just opened it up in the White House if they did it chronologically, and there would have been no location shots there would have been no dramatic trickery to it there would have been nothing so it would have been just linear crisis management in the white house and like hinting at these new people to come in and like yeah. you know week-long gaps in the timeline and i think they probably thought that wasn't special enough but it was what they wanted to do with the storyline so they came up with this like bifurcated timeline thing to make it feel fancy that's honestly what I think happened. It kind of yeah. feels like the what they tried to do with the Arrested Development. It's like, oh, it's exactly that. Yeah. It's exactly that. Yeah. Like, but if you put it back in order, it would be fine. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Someone do that, please. <laughs> I don't got much else to say. What Abby's good in this one? She's good in everyone, but she's. I think she has a really solid episode. Is there any any other standouts here? No. <laughs> no, I don't think so. All right, that's all I got to say then. Yeah. <laughs> Happy right. Fourth hey, of July, guys. America. Freaking America to you too. Oh, we probably shouldn't have said that because it's gonna take me like two weeks to edit this, and it's gonna be like we're gonna Happy, that- Happy 17th of July, everybody. Happy yeah. two weeks after the fourth. Happy August, everybody. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> take your time, folks. It's fine. People will look back on this and be like, oh yeah, the fourth was. I a remember good, the good fourth. Day. Was the fourth of July? And fourth. Yeah. yeah. Spending time with my friends and family. By the way, can I just add? mention this thing probably not even gonna include i'm curious is no one really like getting into the midterms yet what do you mean like doesn't be like that that we're we talked about there's AOC as much like right but, but there isn't <laughs> as much like general election midterm fervor as it feels like there usually is at this that's time a summer year. thing is it it's, yeah it ramps up later okay is it is it the summer well, yeah also, i think I, september october are gonna be okay shit i'm show. not well new york's weird right like we just we, we have we have the primary that. we have yeah. the federal primary yeah. already yeah when can we vote on salazar september yeah september 13th i think and you get cynthia out there and nixon. vote julia salazar get out there and vote cynthia nixon do it all right give her money listening. thanks for listening everybody <laughs> we love uh, you we'll be back soon bye wah, wah, wah. Ugh, hot ears <laughs>